This is Dove Tuzman. You're on equal footing. Deep dive tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Last week was really lighthearted. What a wonderful discussion with Rabbi Simcha Weinstein around superheroes and in the modern day comic book superhero universe and the effect of Jewish identity, the influence of all those Jewish writers and illustrators. And here we go this week with something that is... Uh, I, you know, I was going to say it's not lighthearted, but it can be lighthearted. Maybe it's the definition of lighthearted, but certainly is required a, a great deal of thought from my side coming into tonight's show. You know, really appropriate that it's the first show of the year, and it's about our personal experience of God. You, different religions call it different things. Uh, direct experience, revelation, being in his presence. Transcendence, nirvana, merging with the absolute, or just personal religious experience. It's different than belief. It's different than worship. It's different than veneration. It's different than religious practice and whatever religion we do practice. We're talking about the direct experience of divinity. And if you're listening in, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Christian, whatever faith you are, or atheist, really this transcends the epistemology of religion, kind of the theory of knowledge and the way we organize ourselves in our relationship with God. And it's about the experience. Is it, port- is it important? Tonight's show, we, we entitled in our social media on the show, Feeling Versus Believing. I think we'd, we'd all agree that to be a deist, to believe in God, is, of course, about belief. It's about faith. But does the feeling matter? Does the experience matter? I think you'll be surprised tonight at some of the topics we'll bring up. You might think, right, of course it matters. But, you know, in the Abrahamic faiths, in Judaism, the first of the Abrahamic faiths, in Christianity, in Islam, in chronological order of appearance on the planet, does it really matter? In the East... In Confucianism, Buddhism, Hinduism, I didn't state that exactly in the right chronological order. Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism. Does it, does it matter? Does the personal experience of the divine matter? I'm joined tonight by two wonderful souls. Two people that I count as friends, as mentors, who come from totally different parts, literally of the planet. One from Korea, one from Long Island. <laughs> Practice on the one hand, Zen Buddhism, on the other hand, Judaism in an orthodox context, a traditional context. And both have been very clear before coming on the show, I'm not a scholar, I'm a practitioner. I'm experiencing this with our listeners and both bring great humility, great sense of humor. I I am so excited to be on the show tonight with Zen master, Buddhist monk, Doam Sunim, and Rabbi Yaakov Bankhalter. And I'm going to start by introducing Doam Sunim. He's here in studio with me. And, and Doam Sunim is with one of his students, Muju Sun, who may at one point help in terms of if translation is needed, in case you hear a voice in the background. And I'll start by introducing Muju. She's been on the show with Doam Sunim before. And she's going to be, God willing, a Buddhist nun starting in June, and she's also completing her master's in cognitive neuroscience. It's really nice to have her in the studio again. Doam Sunim, it's such a pleasure to have you here again. We've been through a lot together on the show, talking about really personal matters. Uh, we did a show on death and, and loss and how to process that and how it fits into our spiritual journey. You've been so open and authentic on the show. Uh, as a Korean Buddhist monk, you've served as the abbot of the Chogesa Korean Zen Temple in Manhattan, which I believe is on 96th Street. Yes. Uh, for anybody that's interested, check it out. It's spelled C-H-O-G-Y-E-S-A, Chogyesa uh, Korean Zen Temple. Uh, you've had that role since 2012. You were ordained as a monk in 1986 by the Zen master Seng Sun after immigrating to Canada uh, with your family in the early 1980s. 
And although, I think this is fascinating because both you and Rabbi Bankhalter in Judaism, we'd call it, uh, Balshuva. You both didn't grow up religious. So you didn't, or you didn't grow up a Buddhist, I should say. You've, you've found that religious path in life. I identify a lot with that and the changes in the spiritual journey. And you've shared before that, that, um, growth into your Buddhist life, be, you know, began in early adulthood through some also trauma and, and things that, that happened to you, which you discussed on other shows. And since your ordination as a Buddhist monk and now a Zen master, I mean, you've been practicing Zen meditation now in both Korea and the United States for over 30 years. So, Don Sunim, thank you. Welcome back to Equal Footing. Thank you very much. And you're so bundled up. It's such a cold night. Last time we were in the studio together, we were wearing like linen. It was like a very different yeah. feeling. And my brother, my friend, Rabbi Yaakov, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you don't mind me being familiar, Rabbi Yaakov, Bank Coulter, for those listening. Check out his congregation, always open. The doors are open. Rabbi Yaakov, I hope you don't mind me saying it this way. You don't even have to be Jewish. I mean, ideally, because, you know, you're going deeper in your journey and so forth, but the doors are always open at your congregation, Chabad Loft, downtown Manhattan. Actually, you don't have to even be human. We have dogs here regularly as you bring your dog. So we we allow all, all, all creatures. Human beings, dogs, you name it. I love it. It's And, you know, for many who are listening uh, who maybe are not familiar with Chabad, the organization that, that um, I don't know if the organization is the right word, the, the domina- denomination of the movement, the, Chas- the, the Lubavitcher movement, the Chabad movement that you're involved in, such a beautiful openness, um, as you said, to creatures, <laughs> whether human or, or, or not, but always open doors to learning, to challenging, to questioning, to doubt. Um, no judgments. In fact, um, Rabbi Benkult, I know you grew up in a secular environment in, in Long Island, suburban New York. And I love how in one of your bios that you have on the website, it says, to you, uh, Judaism felt more like a membership at a country club growing up where one status was based on the size of your bar mitzvah. <laughs> and at that time, uh, Rabbi Benkalter, Rabbi Yaakov, you were known as, as Jerry. And, and, and at, at Ohio State University, you were doing quite a, a secular um, you know, education and in a fraternity and tending bar and parties and so forth. You, you met, um, your lifelong, uh, rabbinic mentor and, and, uh, and, and spiritual, uh, guide, uh, Rabbi Arya Kaltman. I know in our past conversations how important, um, he has been in, in your life, uh, who simply started by saying, are you Jewish? <laughs> and obviously that, that question has so many levels of, of meaning, not just the superficial. And after many years of, of studying, you eventually went from being called Jerry to your ordination and becoming Rabbi Yaakov. And now your center, Chabad Loft, uh, welcomes people of all walks of life in the streets of, of Manhattan. And I can attest to, uh, the power of Chabad Loft. Um, check it out. Chabad, C-H-A-B-A-D, L-O-F-T dot org, right, Rabbi? Dot com. Dot com. Oh, great. You got the dot com now. Chabadloft.com. Yeah. Go to a delicious right. Shabbat dinner. Go to services, the beautiful Kavana space that they have downstairs at 10 East 8th Street. So, okay. Let's, let's get into it. I am going to take the gloves off, Dom Sunim and Rabbi Yaakov, and just start with the direct question to you here okay. in studio, Dom Sunim. Uh, is, if you are a Buddhist mm-hmm. and you don't have a direct experience mm-hmm. of God, are you really a Buddhist? I mean, is the is the experience essential to calling yourself a Buddhist, or can you just have the faith and the belief without the inner experience? And what is what is your experience of God? My experience is. Just I'm looking at you. Did you get it? I, I, I don't know if I, if I got it. What do you, please tell me more. My experience is, if I explain, I'm clear in this moment. I'm aware, I'm sitting, I'm talking to you. Everything except that, nothing there. Is that to mean that the the mundane life, 
whatever is going on in the moment is the experience of God, and there is nothing in the Buddhist that's belief, not there's God, nothing that's not Buddha, that's not truth, that's not any name of that. Just present, be here. Okay. Okay. Rabbi Yaakov, that's, I would argue, again, I'm going to go back to this big word, epistemology, kind of the theory of knowledge, where we organize knowledge and religiously, you know, that's epistemologically different than in Judaism. I mean, it's not, or is, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. What, what is it, what in Judaism, what is the personal or direct experience of God? Well, um, you mentioned, let me go back, uh, just, you mentioned my personal story before, how I was, uh, grew up as a secular Jew. Um, and to me, Judaism was a country club. Yes, it's exactly the way I perceived it. It was more like a, a status. Um, and then when, what changed for me was when I began to discover the spiritual experiential part of Judaism. Um, based on mystical tradition. So experiential is definitely very important. It actually, it's, it's, it's totally necessary and, uh, for a person to strive for, to come closer to Hashem for spiritual growth. However, at the same time, when you come close, you come to recognize that my experience is not the foundation of my connection to God. It's it's part of the relationship, but it's not the essence of the relationship. Right. Okay. And and we want to incorporate. It's, you know, it's a balanced approach. We want to incorporate a sense of personal fulfillment and a personal um, experience of, especially what, let's call it transcendence, a sense of a feeling going above your reality, going out of your reality, and to feel that is incredible, but. God and my connection to God is not limited to my personal experience. So if you have no personal experience, are you still connected to God? That's the question. You are. Okay. And that does seem to be, uh, I didn't mean to set you up, but that does seem to be the Abrahamic or Western approach is that you don't have to experience God for you to have a relationship with God. God is. And well, Go ahead. Correct. Me. I would say it's a little bit. I'm sorry. It's a little bit of both. At the, at the essence, no. You're right. You don't need that. But if you don't have a human, God understands the human experience as well. Meaning, we're a human being in a body in this world, but we also have what's called the neshama, which is a part of God, which is actual God, which just transcends the human experience. So, if we only have this dogmatic connection, the neshama is what the soul. The soul. The godly, the godly experience of divine reality, which for most of us is very much hidden within the deep recesses of our, of our, our, you know, inner, inner psyche that we might not experience. So if we don't have the experience, we, we're losing out on the opportunity to come closer that we kind of are missing something. So we haven't necessarily developed a inward, inner perspective. We want to have a, a feeling of God. But on the other hand, that feeling of God does not represent the essence of our connection, and 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 more so, a personal experience sometimes could be off. Maybe what you're experiencing isn't God. Maybe you're experiencing your ego. Maybe experiencing yourself. Even a spiritual experience doesn't necessarily mean it's God. So, right. So it's uh, I, you know so it's a combination. But yes, I, I, you know there are. Essential bond with God is not about my personal experience. But on the other hand, we want to strive to have a personal experience because that makes a more balanced approach um, to life. Because we want to, we want to feel connected to God in our lives. So we're going to take our first break in a minute. But so to bring this a little bit down to earth for for listeners, we're talking about personal religious experience. Different religions and, and faiths call it different thing: revelation, transcendence, direct experience. This isn't actually as uh, I guess controversial as one might think in terms of how it's cast uh, theologically. 
uh, it, the pop, the concept of religious experience theologically is largely in, in different, both East and West, we use the, the William, the, the classic William James interpretation, which is, it's, it's a, I, it's something direct. It's an, it's a direct experience that is some way evidential, evidentiary for a person, whatever that means for that person. Uh, it, it, it's f- the feeling of God's presence, not the, um, not the theorizing or the belief in God's presence, but the the actual feeling that I experienced God. And I'll I'll, I'll go in one of the other segments here. We'll we'll read a couple of uh, you know quick anecdotes on that on that on that on that front. But then, and to 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 leave folks thinking about this over the break, there is what's the religious experience argument, and what this does is basically take two different views. You have um, do you have, is your belief in God based on evidence? And there's two answers to that, no or yes. If the people say no are often called evidentialists, they say if there's no evidence, so it's not rational to believe in God. People who say yes actually fall into two different categories. One group says, I believe in God because I have evidence of that belief. I have an experience. I have an experience in meditation. I have an experience of a miracle in my life. I have an, I have an experience, a direct experience of God that is happening now, as Dom Sunim said, or has happened in my life. And other folks who say yes, is the belief in God rational or do you believe in God? It's not because of evidence. They don't need it. Say, I believe in God because it is. And we'll come back to this after the break, but it is a difference between East and West. I see Dom Sunim nodding his head. And both approaches are beautiful. That's where we want to get it. What is that difference between I believe in God because I've experienced that God exists or I believe in God because I know God exists, even if I hadn't had the direct feeling? <laughs> okay. We'll come back after the break talking about direct religious experience with Rabbi Yaakov Bankalter and Zen master Doam Sunim. Call in. Tell us about your belief or non-belief based on direct experience. How have you experienced God in your life? You can call 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. Or you can text a comment or question if you're not, if you're shy about being on the air live to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. It's a tough time out there. We're in our what? fourth, fifth wave of the pandemic, and our medical records are top of mind. We often have to prove we have a vaccine uh, or we've been properly vaccinated to enter into a, a food and beverage venue or a concert or a Broadway show. We may have our, our children at school being asked for more extensive medical records than before. Take control of your medical records. They don't belong to your doctor. The doctor may have them, but you may be spread amongst different doctors, but it doesn't belong to them. It also, your records don't belong to your health insurance company, and they damn sure don't belong to the government. DocuVax, D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com, or you can download the DocuVax apps on the uh, iPhone or Android app stores, allow you to easily store and validate. And that's the key thing. You get uh, doctors and nurses on call for you 365 days a year to validate your medical records like immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs and uh, serology panels and so forth. And then Show what you need to get a referral to another physician more inexpensively or to show information to a, a university or school, whatever it may be, on your terms without showing information that's confidential. And you can uh, cover over 60 different important elements of your medical profile in the DocuVac system, from flu and COVID and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood type information and allergies. And you get reminders when you need to do a preventative screening or take a vaccine. You know, in thinking about DocuVax, I think as a pet owner, 
uh, the rabbi mentioned <laughs> dogs uh, earlier. I know uh, uh, he and his wife uh, are, are, are pet owners as well. It's you, you get more information about your pet and their needs to get vaccines and medical uh, uh, tests than you often do about yourself or your own children. There's no system that systematically reminding you, uh, keeping track of your medical records. So get it together. Get your information onto docuvax.com or download the easy-to-use docuvax app or call, especially if you want a group discount. Let's say you're a, a small or medium-sized business and you want to sponsor a docuvax subscription as a, a benefit, kind of like a gym membership. It's a great, super low-cost benefit for your employees. You can get group discounts by calling 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. One nine three three, and here's the punchline: it's seven dollars a month, six ninety nine per month, and you can privately access all of your medical records from a secure HIPAA compliant digital storage facility. And medical professionals are on call for you, included in that price, twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a year, to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your medical locker. You could literally save as much money as your entire annual subscription. Less than $80 a year for DocuVax and saving one referral fee from a physician just having some sort of validated blood test so you can get a follow-up or whatever it may be. So put an end to worrying about if you or someone else is up to date on a particular vaccine or blood test or important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file and sign up at DocuVax.com or download the DocuVax app or for a group discount. Mention you heard it on equal footing. And you get a group discount by calling 833-859-1933. That's DocuVax, 833-859-1933. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on to I'm Dove Tuzman, and I'm here with Zen Master Doam Sunim, and on the phone with us, Rabbi Yaakov Bankhalter. Feeling versus believing. Does our personal experience of God matter? So, Doam Sunim, before the, the break, you, you looked me straight in the eyes. That was intense when you answered that question, like, what is your experience of God? You're like, now. It's just the here and now. Mm-hmm. I... I'm going to put out some, a, 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 a posit, a theory to you and Rabbi Bankalter about spiritual practice because I've lived in India and I haven't practiced Buddhism, but I lived in an ashram at one point in my life. And as you know, I'm, I'm Jewish and that's where I am now in my spiritual journey is, is firmly rooted in the, in the Jewish faith. So I've, but I've experienced spiritual practice both in East and West. And here's my theory to both of you. In the East, spiritual practice, whether it is meditation or uh, prayer in the form of chanting uh, or yoga uh, or even the, the, the ritualistic prayer of the mala beads where you're doing a mantra uh, over and over, to me is less about veneration or worship and more about experience, like through the breath. I think it hinges on the pranayama, like the, the breath work um, through meditation. You're actually trying to have a, an experience of, 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 of the divine. And my experience, my, my perspective, Rabbi Yaakov, is that it seems to be that in my Jewish life, worship, uh, davening, prayer, is, is a little bit more intellectual. It, it's more about like um, believing and reading and cognitively processing as opposed to experiencing. Am I right or am I wrong? Dom Sunim. Yeah, that's your explanations. Okay, so would you mind I tell a little about that? Okay, all kind of practices you you explain, it's right. We use that's all kind of experience. Okay, that's we use that for what? That means like first, all those kind of uh, practice technique is make our mind is more concentrated. Without the concentration, mind cannot become clear. If we are not clear, we cannot see clear, we cannot hear clear, we cannot touch, we cannot feel clear. Always foggy and unclear. That's why we, we need kind of a practice 
use those kind of technique, yoga, mantra, whatever, breathings, anything. That's just on the foundation of a, a basic practice. In a certain sense, I would say then that my theory is correct when it comes to Buddhism, that the technique is to achieve a particular result in your mind and body, a particular like experience or lived reality. If you practice that, some kind of experience is possible. But that's just, uh, just if you're hungry, you eat some food and then you can feel full. Same as that experience, kind of uh, uh, the sensation or some kind of uh, mind clear. That's If you practice all those kind of techniques, you can have those kind of experience, but that's not uh, really the purpose of the experience. It isn't. It is not the no, purpose. not at all. But you can have experience. You have a pass by until... So the purpose of the spiritual practice in, in Buddhism is the lack of experience? It's the clarity and the silence? The, you know, that is a, uh, that's a little different the approach and uh, the Eastern and the Western approach. So Rabbi Yaakov, in terms of the Western approach, I don't know if you need me to kind of repeat the question, but am I, am, am I right or wrong in the way I think about like prayer and, and devotional practice and in, in the Abrahamic context? Yeah. I mean, we say the Western approach, I can't speak on behalf of all Western, quote, Western religions. I could speak on behalf of the Jewish approach and particularly the mystical Jewish approach. Um, is that yes, there is, there is a great emphasis on on using your uh, intellect, it is intellectual. Um, each and and that's each person according to their abilities to come to their own understanding of God. Try to expand their perspective of what God is. Um, to go out of their boundaries of assuming God is what I base is, is something that I have some. Uh, connection to based on my life, based on my parents, based on my education, based on how I was raised, based on even my, my DNA. Mm-hmm. I mean, God is unknowable on, is God not because we can't know him, but by definition, God is not defined by any, any law of, of this world. He right. created those laws. They are his creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that itself is part of growth. The more we come to that understanding, it's, you could say on some level, it's it's really through that understanding that we come to experience um, God. The more we understand how far, so to speak, we are, but yet at the same time, how close we are. Meaning to say, is the example given in in in, in Torah teachings and Hasidic Torah teachings is that you, you'll say the number one or the, say, the number a million or a billion? Which one is closer to infinity? They're all equally distanced from infinity. There's, infinity has no connection to a billion, has no connection to a million, and no connection to one. It is completely separate from that. So, so a billion to one, like, you know, to one is very far, but it's larger. But, it's, but you can, there's almost some level of connection. But infinity is, has no connection to one. And on some level, we, we, as we study and we learn, we grow, we understand that on one hand, God is totally unknowable, undefinable, but yet at the same time, he created this world, he created my reality, so he understands me, so we try to, once again, bring harmony between those two realities. Essentially, my connection to him is not bound to my awareness or my experience, but how, on the other hand, can I incorporate that in me as a human being? Because if I don't, then it doesn't affect me as a person, and I can remain a separate entity from that belief. If I'm a believer, but it doesn't permeate my reality, my personality, my daily life, then there's something wrong with my spirituality. So well, I love we don't you, want to limit it. Yeah, I love that you bring up this this the the um, 
the analogy of of kind of the, in, in the relationship between one and infinity. And in Judaism, we think often we often describe God as as the you know ineffable, that which can't be expressed or or or, or seen in the physical form. And in the same time, I do I must admit have a little bit of religious jealousy <laughs> uh, so I'm saying it somewhat tongue in cheek around the eastern paths that seem to be more directly experiential because I think of in the Jewish faith our examples of direct godly experience like Moses in the burning bush or Jacob with the wrestling with the angel or the parting of the red seas and to me it's like infinity in one like it feels like some extraordinary thing that I'm asked to believe in but I haven't actually experienced. And, um, you know, and then I, and then you look at other, um, the other, other face, you know, you have like, you know, the experiences of Arjuna or, or you know, other, or, you know, Muhammad or St. Paul or whatever that, that are, um, that are like that too, that, that, that feel like very like in the distance, like, you know, something that isn't in our daily life, but we're asked to, to, to believe in. And no matter how ardently we believe in them, you know, those moments, you know, if we haven't actually felt, if we haven't have experienced the presence of God directly in our lives, it's like a harder, it feels to me like a harder spiritual path. Now, I'm not saying I haven't experienced because I do want to get to personal experience later in the show, but, um, I mean, would, would you acknowledge that, Rabbi Yaakov, that in a certain sense, our path, the Abrahamic path, or at least specifically the Jewish path, is in a certain sense harder because... It, it, it isn't, doesn't rely on that experience in meditation each morning or, or what have you? I, I would say opposite. I think it's easier. Because not everyone, there are, there are many people and many Jews who are, uh, who will meditate and have that path in their lives, um, whether they're practicing Judaism or they're practicing Buddhism or other religions. But, there, but I would say the majority of the population are not, so to speak, so spiritual. Does that mean that those people don't experience? I say they do. Everyone experiences God, and certain people experience it in their own way. So, for example, someone might not get the experience of God through meditating. They might have the experience of God by um, um, when they are, when they go to, a holy place like the hotel where they something about the holiness of that spot creates a right, certain so sense like a burial site of a, of a yeah. spiritual master or let's say a Yom Kippur I mean there's so many people who experience something on Yom Kippur I mean, I mean actually last time I was on your show I spoke about this when Sandy Koufax said I'm not gonna play baseball I'm not gonna play the World Series on Yom Kippur it wasn't because he was meditating. It wasn't because he was religious. But that was an experience of God. Something in his soul created a feeling that said, I am a Jew, and I don't care how important this is to the whole world, I cannot play on Yom Kippur. Right that, now, I would say, the Jew, is the, be, be, Being identified as a Jew, that part is easy. <laughs> it's the part you just... No, did, but, but did, did, I'm not uh, did, it's, it's, did Sandy Koufax actually experience... <laughs> to, to not... Can you imagine? It's, it's more than being identifying as much. People will, are clearly... They want to identify as a Jew. Some some people aren't even Jewish like to identify as a Jew. It's more... It's, when Sandy Koufax, the whole world was, you know... Wanting him, for sure, I'm sure in California, Los Angeles, who were playing in, in, in the World Series, he had to go against something. It was, it was more than just a Jewish identity. It was something in him. I'm calling that an experience of divinity that pushed aside the world, and, and it was a trend. Well, I'm, I'm calling that transcendence. I'm, I'm like one example of transcendence. Okay. Meaning to say, in that moment, the world disappeared, and all that mattered was a truth that he experienced in his divine reality. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he meditated. And it doesn't do with the fact that he, that he even, whether he fasted. I don't even know if he fasted on that Yom Kippur. I don't even know if he, you know, ate a bacon cheeseburger that day. But in that moment, it was his soul pushing forth a 
a reality of God which superseded the reality of the world. That, to me, is, I would call that a divine revelation, right. an experience with God, which is not limited to a meditative experience, which right. some people might get to with meditation, and other people get to with, with you know, right. other experiences. Well, we're, we're, we're going to get back, we're going to take another break, and we're going to get back to, to you, Dom Sanim, to, to help us understand a little bit better the connection between uh, belief and experience in, in, in Buddhism, uh, based on some of our dialogue. I'm not even sure the belief part is, is that necessary, but sure. we'll, we'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Back on Equal Footing, I'm Dove Tuzman, and I'm here with Zen Master Doam Sunim and Rabbi Yaakov Bankhalter, and we're talking about revelation, the direct religious experience, experience of God, and is it important? Uh, Doam Sunim, on the, on the break, we were talking, as you were listening to Rabbi Yaakov, about the difference. There really is a difference between the Eastern and Western uh, approaches um, with respect to belief. So I, I just want to... Uh, really put a pin in that question on the Buddha, on the Buddhist path is belief in God important? Does it matter? I say, I can, I can say by my experience, my understanding, uh, not Buddhist, not other religions. Okay. I, I like to ask your dog, do you believe God? I do. Do you believe God created everything? I don't know. Okay. And my, I'm an evidentialist. I believe in God. I was an atheist for a portion of my life. And for those of you who are listening, I think this is an absurd topic and too esoteric. It's, it, it came, the genesis of tonight is that I, I was an atheist at one point in my life and I believe in God, not because I decided to, uh, or at least not rationally decided to, but because I feel like I've had experiences of the divine in my life. You know, the direct question, clear question means a clear answer, oh, oh, okay? I'm scared, go ahead. Okay, do you believe God? Yes. Do you believe God created everything? I don't know. That's the problem. If you truly believe God created everything, what's the problem? All things happen right now. What's the problem? Everything is God created. We talking, moving, all nature, people, everything God created. What's the problem? So you're saying, if I understand you correctly, that in fact, I, I need to not only experience, I need to also believe at the same time. Fully believe means there's no more belief. Lack of belief means still you're looking for the belief or I want to believe. Is it belief? If you fully believe, why we need the words of a belief? Right. Now that is, you're, you, that's a philosophical, there is a position that if you're a real theist, that if you really believe in God, you don't even need to have these discussions because right. it's irrelevant. Right. That's the point. Okay. If you are not, you have to try something to completely believe until you believe that. But Don Sunim, I remember when we, we were on the show together some months ago. 
And you very movingly talked about a heart-wrenching experience. I think it was the death of a friend, if I remember correctly. Right. That that led you to actually experience one day, if I remember, you were you were in nature. I, I don't want to put your words in your mouth, but you had a direct experience of the divine that day. I don't know, divine or whatever. That's my personal experience. But that so, was what set you on your spiritual. That's what set you on that, your spiritual path. That made me the more thinking about the practice on the truths or about my true self. But I'm going to challenge both you and Rabbi Yaakov because I happen to know both of you personally and care for both of you and have a lot of admiration for both of you. Both of you actually had, in a certain sense, in sense, personal revelations in your life. You you, you were on one path and you had an experience of, I would say, of the divine that, that led you to different life paths. So so to the premise of the show, doesn't that mean that actually the direct personal experience, the revelation, is essential to our belief in God? That's, uh, if you believe that God is wrong, that's wrong uh, understanding. Okay, right. All kind of, uh, you can have uh, experience or something, awakening, all kind of things is on the way. Okay? Even you have that experience, you have to take away. Keep going until you be completely. Means that there's no more believing or not believing. Even you have experience, you're not fully enough to believe. That's not complete. Okay. If you stay there, you. that's nothing. I you have you. to keep going. It's like a spark. Until complete. There's nothing to there. Yeah. God created everything. I do think for those listeners that have um, struggled with their belief, um, have had existential crises, or maybe don't believe in God, or not sure they believe in God. I think one thing a lot of us who have gone through that part of the journey share is a dubiousness about anything we're told to believe in that we haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. And so I think religious life can feel quite empty. I know, Rabbi Yaakov, you and I have spoken about this person. It can feel quite empty when it's just ritualistic or when it's just based on like the, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, Pascal's wager. You guys familiar with Pascal's, you know, the, the philosopher Pascal said, um, you know, you don't really have to think too much about whether God exists or not. Just live your life as if God exists, because if you bet that God exists, you'll be okay in the afterlife. Okay. Wait, hang on a second. Excuse me. If, if, but if you, if, you know, that's the only reason to believe in God, he said, was, you know, it's like hedging your bets. I'm, I'm colloquializing it a little bit, but life is, spiritual life is so empty that way. And, you know, for me, it, the, the, the synthesis of experience and belief and where I feel like in a certain sense, spiritual life has really begun is when it wasn't intellectual, when I actually, in a couple of times in life, one near death experience, another, I can, several in life, but one even just several months ago, and I was in the, the verge of potentially something absolutely horrible happening in my life, and I feel like I witnessed a miracle. It's those moments that feel more important to me than a year's worth of doing a particular prayer or following a particular rule. Rabbi Yaakov, I hope you're not, you're not in studio, so I can't see your facial expression. Are you rolling my eyes? Am I a bad Jew? No, not at all. You're a, as a Chabad rabbi who's based in downtown Manhattan, Greenwich Village, I've had this conversation over and over again in different forms and different ways of this question about belief and, you know, and, and, and about our relation with God and what it means in so many capacities. Believe me, you're far from, <laughs> far from, uh, making me feel that, you know, God forbid that you are a, uh, not a good Jew, so to speak. I don't think so at all. I think it's very fair, and every I think it's better for someone to acknowledge and recognize um, their, you know, struggles with belief and trying to incorporate God into their reality. And I think the more honest we are, the 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 better they'll be. The 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 easier will, will be to overcome those struggles and find find a path and find a deeper connection. I think every honest, if, if it just pops into your mind and you just accept it, then there's to a certain degree, I can't say that 100%, but usually that's not 
healthy. You know, there should be a struggle. It's a relationship. It should be a back and forth. You grow, you you fall, you get back up, you try again, you go this way. This happens in your life. Belief is a is a continuous struggle battle that in your life as you mature, it becomes more real on a human level. That's Rabbi, what I would the, say. the other day, not that long ago, just from the last couple of weeks, uh, I was yeah. at a I was at dinner and I wasn't wearing my kippah. I wasn't wearing uh, a yarmulke, and for I had a, a reason for not for not doing so. Whether I should or shouldn't have is a okay. top for another time. Okay. But I wasn't, and someone came over that I knew from a congregation on the Upper East Side, and uh, and they said, okay. "Oh, now uh, good things have happened in your life, so you're not religious anymore." And and I oh. I laughed because mm-hmm. I thought actually I feel more religious than ever. <laughs> but doesn't necessarily correlate exactly to someone else's <laughs> that wasn't view. A, I mean, maybe they were being humorous, but that wasn't a It nice wasn't thing. humorous, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, but it's, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we all, we, are, we all have to be honest and not expect ourselves to always be in a state of mind that we're always in a perfect uh, place where our, especially when we're being tested, God forbid, we're going through our own challenges, uh, Someone's going through something in their life that's 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 testing their faith, physical health or or mental health or feeling usually depression and negativity will automatically feel less connected to God. And this is all part of the human reality, which God created that as well. So He understands that. He under, He created struggle, so He has to understand that there is struggle, and and to a certain degree, it's part of our mission is to to be a struggling. For most of us, you know, we weren't born righteous people who automatically just do the right thing and it'd be a boring world if we did so it's part so struggles and belief is part of being a normal human being yeah. and the main thing is to stay in the game and and try and uh overcome those struggles and there are many ways that we could do that not and, just one. and uh, that concept of suffering and struggle dom sunim is so central to uh, Buddhist philosophy and life. I mean, the four noble truths of, of, of Buddha and that, you know, suffering exists and, and there is cause for suffering and, but yet there is an end to suffering. And I think mm-hmm. that, um, that Don Sunim, one of the things that's so attractive to Eastern thought and practice coming from, at least I can say from a, from a Jewish perspective is, um, the synthesis of the intellectual and the um uh, and the, the basic experience the daily experience okay you know the zen tradition we said if you really want to go through this gate means like uh, the gate means to go uh, reach the truth okay maybe reach the god or reach the buddha nature don't arise you are thinking good or bad or right or wrong all you are thinking, all you understand, all your judgment, discrimination, you never go through to the truth. That's gate up. Okay? But we're talking hundred years like this. Not even one step cannot go in. It's better you drop all of the thinkings, all of the feelings, and then everything is God create. Why you make a trouble? You just accept it. Good or bad or anger, sad, and everything is you accept it. Isn't it? Yeah, I think, and I think that that approach is, like I said, is, is very attractive. That the simplicity and the beauty of that. Um, you know, one one listener. We'll go to a break and we'll take a caller who's been patiently waiting. But one listener wrote in. Um, to remind us that that uh, tonight is Christian Orthodox Christmas Eve uh, and also Greek Orthodox Christmas Eve. So we're having a Jewish and a Buddhist discussion tonight, so now we get a, a Christian voice at the table. And this listener um, expresses that for them, it's really just fundamentally about love. So they they're, they said God does exist, otherwise we wouldn't be able to feel unconditional love for each other. If you have fl- felt love, uh, once for someone, you would never have a doubt about God's existence. Uh, in my opinion, that's the essence of God experience. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and that's why I mentioned that comment now. That, to me, feels like a Buddhist approach. It doesn't matter Buddhist or 
God create everything. Why you make a Buddhist or whatever difference? Okay? <laughs> Why am I create duality? <laughs> yeah, everything accepted. Okay? Uh, Rabbi Yaakov, we're going to take a break, but give me, can you give me like the yes or no? That, that, that Christian listener's comment, is that, is that synthesized with Jewish philosophy? Is, is, is love all we need? That, we, that should be the music. Uh, <laughs> Next. Love is I, I'll put this way. I'm a big Beatles fan. I love the song, but I, I don't know. It's nice to have love, but no, we need, it's right. not, love is not all we need. Right. It's not love sufficient to, in Jewish. Love is one, one thing that God created. <laughs> we have seven emotional realities, and it's one of them. It's good to have love. Don't get me wrong. I like count count like on love, the right? Jewish perspective the to make things, to make things more love. complicated. <laughs> you know, you make a God already mistake. Who did? Me or Rabbi Yaakov? Anybody make a God already mistake because God is everything. So why you make a God and right. the other different? Right, right. And that right. I think right. that is shared. That right, right, Rabbi Yaakov. That is a shared belief between Buddhism and Judaism. Yes, yeah. I think what often the illusion people, of separation. God. When, when people say, "Is God a loving God?" And I, and I try to explain it from my own experience and what I've learned. God created love. He is the source of love. It's not that there's God and then there's love. Love is not a tool that God uses. As if, if, that, if, if that's the case, then love is a God unto itself. Everything, and I agree with my friend here, who just said that God is everything. But God is not everything. He created everything. He's the source of everything. God is the source of love. God is the source of fear. God is the source of all these things. So love is a manifestation of godly energy into this world that he chose to express a part of himself. But it's not, God is not limited to love the way we are. For us, right. love preceded us. I love, love this. This, lis- this listener is listening real time, and they're just saying yeah. that what they meant by that was not necessarily romantic love. So, right. uh, and it's a clarification. Right. I'm going to make an executive decision to Amsonim and Rabbi Yaakov because I don't want to interrupt this flow to, uh, we're going to skip our last ad break and I'm going to ask for forgiveness from one of our sponsors, um, Manhattan right. Medical. And I want to take this really patient right. caller who's been online for, and I think, let me see if I can do this. Oh, I need Dimitri's help. I, I don't, I can't get line four on the air off of my, uh, pad here. Uh, let's see. All right. I think I think it's Stan on line four. Is it Stan? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Stan. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> How, are, How you? are you, first uh, of all? I'm good. How are you? Okay. I'm glad you sound much better to you over that thing. I'm very happy for that. What you, this week is more fun or less fun than last week? Well, anytime you're on, it's more fun because you, you, your topics run from high to low to middle to red. So you, you, you have good shows. You know that. Anyway, let's get to it. I'm bracing myself. Go for it. No, no, no. Don't brace yourself. I, you know, uh, it's, it's somewhat difficult to have to say what I have to say to these two gentlemen. Uh, the divine. I am not a believer. I gave it up. I stopped dealing in fantasy a long time ago. Uh, for me, I was looking for the divine uh, and it it never showed up. It's never been there. Mm. And solid evidence for me was the ultimate epiphany, and that was 9-11 for me. To me, I watched that, and I sat there, and I was a good Jew at that time, and I watched, and I watched, and prima facie evidence in my face, and to all, I could only imagine if there was a divine, he would have stopped these people, it would have stopped everything, but there was no answer, there was, and the ultimate lunacy was that people on one of the planes who probably believed in the divine were praying for help from a divine that turned its face or it never was there to begin with. Mm. The other thing is the divine of, 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 of uh, we, we have to believe in a divine. If we don't, you know, we're more religious than the other person. Uh, ask the six million Jews who walked into the ovens and the gas chambers while they were praying for divine intervention. There was none. Or to our friend in the East here, when two to three million Cambodians were executed over a couple of years, there was no Buddha, nothing to help them. They must have prayed nothing. So from these examples and evidence, it has come to me, just me, that there is nothing. Now you can pray as you want, you can believe in Hashem, and you can believe in Buddha, but the evidence is solid. 
The evidence is there. A personal thing, maybe when they're meditating, that's fine. But to all of us who've seen the facts and have seen the prima facie in history, there is nothing. I'm sorry to say it. You may not. You both of you have studied and worshipped long times and so forth, and I respect that you did that. But the evidence is clear. It's right on the table. And I'm, so, I listen to what you – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I love it. And allow, you allow me to use one of the, the this uh, word I've been practicing pronunciation of. So epistemologically, you're, you're an evidentialist. You're saying no, I'm you a, need I, to see the, the evidence of I God's existence. Up, you need I gave to feel up it. the fantasy a long time ago. But if okay? you had evidence, if, if you had a direct there personal is a, experience. The evidence is solidly on the table. I mean, let's be honest. It's been there for 50 or 100 years. Too. It's there. Just, you don't, look, when you believe, you believe. And I, I respect these people believe what they believe. Absolutely. I would defend their right to pray and whatever they wanted to do. But I wouldn't pray because I know in my thinking there is nothing. And proof is there. I'm not making it up. The evidence is in front of you. So, you know, you can, the, the gentleman from the East, I respect him. But I, I was in Vietnam. I saw hell if, and so forth. I didn't see any, you know, divine being helping anybody there, really. And so the history of our people. Stands on its own. I'm not, you know, going to the guest. Nobody, you know, they were praying, doing, saying prayers to their God. Nothing. In Vietnam. And not just Vietnam. In the World War Two, and uh, our Jewish uh, brothers. John Sunim, what do you what do you think of? of it's fact. I'm not making it up. No, no, I I, I hear you, gentlemen. The the sir, uh, you are great. Uh, I think you are ready to really reach God and the Buddhas. Oh, man. Means like you not expect fantastic <laughs> or something God you made, you expect you made the Buddha. That's not correct. Now it's time for you to see your true self. What's going on inside of you? If you truly clearly see that, you see the God or the Buddha or whatever is not in outside, not by your concept. Just to be there. It's not form. It's not kind of shape of a something old man or good man. It's just everything is like a, just like that. I don't understand what you're talking about, sir. I mean, you, you Buddha, uh, I mean, the reality of existence as we have seen it is proof, okay? What else? I mean, if you don't want to believe in telling it's in me, I, it's not in me. I gave that up a long time ago. Well, I do not believe in a being of any divine but divinity. Don Sunim, to the, the to the topic of the show, I'm so glad that Stan called in because he's kind of said it better than I could. <laughs> is, is is you know he's seen with his own eyes. I have, in certain respects, as well, kind of evidence of God's non-existence, or in his in his view. But what I hear, what I'm seeing in your face here in the studio, is that it doesn't matter. Like. Are you saying that? Can I, can I jump into this conversation before the time runs out? Can yes, I jump in? Yes. First of all, when, before I heard Stan say he was Jewish, I knew a thousand percent he was Jewish. I just <laughs> make that clear. <laughs> I knew what. There was no doubt in my mind that Stan is a Jew. That's number one. I've, I've, he's like he's like the typical person that comes to my Shabbat house. You know, I'm not typical. So uh, uh, typical, he said. <laughs> oh, typical. Okay, I'm not typical. Typical. No, <laughs> You're not either. You're not either of those. I mean, <laughs> I'm not typical. I don't like typical people. I like people like you. Um, anyway, so first of all, I totally respect what you're saying. I'm not negating your feeling, what your experience is. You have a right to the way you feel, and that's your experience. But just to answer, just to try to make a friendly debate backwards, to say there's no evidence of God, I think, is a completely false statement. There is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly <laughs> evidence of God's existence. We're, we're back it's, to the beginning of the show. You perfect ending. It's, <laughs> It's actually, think about it, it's a, to not believing God is almost as crazy as it is to believe in God. It's actually crazier. Meaning, we're, I'm talking on an iPhone, for example. That's, that's Pascal's I'm wager. On, I'm talking on an <laughs> iPhone right now. Now, if, someone, if, I, if you ask me, hey, Jay, uh, Rabbi Yaakov, how did this iPhone come to be? I would say, I don't know. Just Rabbi, we're going we're to we're we're run out of time. I, I lo- the end is, okay. is, is, is perfect. I, 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 let yeah. me just conclude with this point. You're gonna be, we're literally going to get cut off. Ten seconds. Okay. Uh, all right. Ten seconds. God, just, the, 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 these things that happen as an example of why we don't understand God or we're angry with God. But the fact that, the, the fact that they were angry with God for a Holocaust, why? 
Because 99.9% of the, what goes on in this world is good and blessing and amazing things. Right. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be angry at, 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 at being that didn't exist. We're going we're gonna to run Every out of time. We've got to have you guys back on again. Okay, fine. Uh, Rabbi Stan, I love you, by the way. So, I love so, you, Stan. Stan, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Good talk. Thank you, everyone. Okay. God bless. All right. No All the best, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> okay, yeah.